All right, uh, we're in the book of John, chapter 5. We're finishing up chapter 5 today. And uh, Jesus is saying, can I get a witness? Now, when Jesus was with his boys, they're on the Mount of Olives, which is just to the east of the city of, they would say, Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. They're just to the east, and, and they're looking at Herod's temple, which was magnificent, took like 46 years to build, humongous rocks. And he goes, you know, you see this temple, not one stone will be left on top of another. And so the, uh, the apostles go, like, when's this going to happen? Uh, Timing-wise, and what should we look for in the, with the signs? And the first thing Jesus said is, hey, you know what? Watch out for deception. So his answer there in, in Matthew 24 is, Let, take heed that no one deceive you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, or meaning I'm the Messiah, and deceive many. Now, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. You remember when we were in John chapter 4, the, the woman at the well, and she said to Jesus, you know, when this Messiah comes, everything's going to change. I'm going to change. And Jesus said, you know, the one who's speaking to you, I'm he. I'm the Messiah. He also claimed to be the only way to heaven in John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. So he claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the only way to heaven. But now you need witnesses to prove that, to testify, I know this guy is the real deal. And it goes back to this. Well, you cannot afford to be wrong. You've got to have the right one. So the background to this idea of witness goes all the way back to the days of Moses. And there in Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says this. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So in other words, I just can't come up here and, and proclaim something. I would need somebody else to come up and say, like in a court of law, to testify, yes, I'm a witness, this is true. So who would step up? Who would testify on Jesus' behalf? He's going to have five witnesses here. And you'll notice they're in rapid fire. Like he just takes a minute and a half or so to explain this. Uh, so we're not going to do it in quite a rapid fire, but quick enough. So first we have the witness of John the Baptist. So I'm in John chapter 5. I'm reading from the New King James Bible, beginning in verse 31. Jesus speaking, for if I bear witness of myself, my witness isn't true. You don't have to listen to just a guy by himself. There's another, there's another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he testifies of me is true. You've sent to John, meaning John the Baptist. And he, he bore witness of the truth. And yet I receive testimony from, uh, I don't receive testimony from man, but I, about these things, I, I say these things that you may be saved. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever read Jesus saying, I'm telling you these things so that you're saved. That's why I say, you've got to get this right. You can't afford to be wrong. Now, I love what he says about John the Baptist here. He was the burning and and shining lamp. And you were willing to, for a time, to rejoice in his light. Man, I'd love that to be said of us. Burning light, shining light. So he said, you sent to John. You're curious. You know, you're going, uh-oh, uh-oh. I pulled too far. Ah. Thank you, Tyler. 
you get an extra donut today? Just, are we good? What do I have to do? There we go. It's this thing, so heavy. Good, okay. So you're going, okay, who's this John the Baptist guy? He's calling everybody a bunch of snakes. Remember, you brood of vipers? Who warned you to, to flee from the wrath to come? And you're going, what is this guy? There's all kinds of people out on the Jordan River going to see this guy that's, that uh, just eats bugs. And so, well, John testified of Jesus. He pointed out to Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God. There's the one that takes away the sins of the world. Now, he says, I say these things to you that you may be saved. Now, when I grew up in church, I never heard stuff like this. We never talked about getting saved or, or there's other terms like um, born again or even converted. I like that term because it's, it means I was something, now I'm something else. Or, or terms like, well, I, I surrendered to Jesus Christ or, or I trust in Jesus Christ. But all of these terms speak of I was drowning in sin. God offers one lifesaver. His name is Jesus. There's, there's nothing else available. So I say these things that you may be saved. You cannot afford to be wrong. Now, I, again, I love this idea. John was this burning and shining lamp. Meaning, John was on fire. He was passionate. He was concerned for people. I read of a guy who was not a believer. I think it was in Scotland or someplace years ago where they'd have these huge evangelical things out in the fields. Thousands and thousands of people. And they, this guy's friend goes, well, you're not a believer. Why do you go out to hear that guy? So I, I go to watch him be on fire because he really believes what he's saying. And so here's John. John's that way. Now, he said, you, you enjoyed it for a while. Meaning, you know what? After a while, you go, this guy, he only has one string on his guitar. Bing, bing, bing. He only talks about Jesus. He only talks about, you need to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And after a while, I go, okay, I've heard his message. I, I'm not impressed anymore. And you would move on. So then he goes to the second witness. Can I get a witness? The works of Christ himself. This is just one verse. So in verse 36, but I have a greater witness than John's for the works which, uh, I'm sorry, for the works which the Father has given me to, to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. You know, uh, what works are we talking about? Well, you remember Nicodemus when he went to Jesus. And when I saw this depicted, um, what's it called? The, um, the chosen. Thank you. You're... What am I going to say next? You're really on a roll. Yeah, when, when they did it, it was such a good rendition of this, this leader of the Jews coming to Jesus and go, wow, who are you? Yeah, it was so well done. But, but Nicodemus approached Jesus and said, no one can do these signs. Remember Jesus said, the works I do, they're a testimony, they're a witness. No one can do these signs that you do unless God is with them. So here's one of the main leaders of the Jews testify, I know God is with you because I see your works. Uh, also, when John the Baptist was sent to prison and he kept hearing things that Jesus was doing and Jesus wasn't exactly acting like John thought a Messiah should act. And, and so he sends this guy, because he's in prison, 
And John sends his uh, disciples, hey, you got to go talk to Jesus. Ask him, are you the guy? Or do we look for someone else? Just ask him that. And basically, Jesus said to go back and tell, him, tell John about my works. The blind see, the lame walk. But again, it was his works that, that Jesus said, these are testimony that I'm from the, the Father and that uh, I'm the Messiah. Now, which of his works didn't? He, which of his works disqualified him? None of them. All his works pointed that he was the, the Messiah. So then he goes to, to the Father. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice nor seen him at any time or seen his form, but you don't have his word abiding in you. That, do you understand? He's talking to these guys that spent their whole life studying the word. And he's going, you're studying the word of God, but the God of the word isn't getting into your life. He said that, but, but you don't know, you don't have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him, you don't believe. So now he's saying, can I get a witness? Um, the witness of the father himself. Now, there's three times in scriptures that we read of the father testifying of the son. The first is at Christ's baptism. You ever picture this? It's a water baptism. John the Baptist is baptizing him. Jesus comes up out of the water, and this is spoken from, from heaven. This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now, I think it's great that, that the father did that for Jesus. I think that we as parents, me as a dad, me as a grandpa, need to learn, learn from this. How powerful to speak into someone's life and say, you know what, you're a blessing to me. I'm really pleased with you. You're not perfect, but you're perfect for me. You know, just to, to speak into our, our caking and just let's learn from God. Hey, here's my son. I'm really well pleased with him. And for parents to be able to speak into the, the lives of their kids, say, I love you. I understand that there's many children who have never heard those words, and perhaps especially not from their dad. So here's the father demonstrating, hey, tell your kids you love them. So at the Mount of Transfiguration, now this is the second time God the Father testified of Christ, that Jesus was the Christ. In the Mount of Transfiguration, Remember, Jesus took up Peter, James, and John, and there he, his, he, took, he transfigured and, and like became like, whoa, that's, I think we're getting a glimpse of who he really is. And at that point, remember Peter, hey, we should build three tabernacles, one for you and one for these guys. And, and that's when God the Father spoke up and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. In other words, Peter, sit down, we don't need him. The third one was in, in uh, John chapter 12. At this point, Greek people came and said, hey, we, we want to see this guy named Jesus. Do you take us to Jesus? And at that point, Jesus says this, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this? He's going, no, wait. I, I have been sent from God the Father to tell people about the love of God, and to die in their place. Now it's just around the corner. This is John 12. John 13 is the Last Supper. 
1450, and then he's, he's betrayed that, that next night. It's like crazy. And he says, okay, now it's time. I get it. And what am I supposed to say? Oh, save me from this. But, but this is why I'm here. This is my purpose. How, how typical that we know God's got us. We know his hand is upon us. We know we're supposed to do this. And, and then uh, before you knock on that door, oh, I don't want to do this. I, I, I wish there were another way out. And Jesus is saying, what am I supposed to do? Deliver me? No. But for this reason, I'm here. So then a voice comes from heaven when Jesus prayed, Father, glorify your name. The Father answers, I have glorified it. And I'm going to glorify it again. So the people around going, wait, what was that? What was that noise? And Jesus said, you know, this didn't come for me. It came for you. What we see here is the Father, the third time now, that he's testifying Jesus is the Messiah. And here comes the fourth one, and probably my favorite, the witness of the Scriptures. For you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are those, or they, they are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me uh, uh, that you may have life. You go, I'm not going to follow Jesus. I can do this better on my own. I don't receive honor from men, verse 41. But I know you, you don't have the love of God in you. First, they didn't have the word of God in them. Now, you don't have the, you're studying about God your whole life. There's no love of God in your heart. I've come in my Father's name, and you don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, meaning the Antichrist, him you will receive. Now, look at this question. How can you believe? How can you believe? What's the, what's the problem? You receive honor from another and don't seek the honor that comes from the only God. So he's saying this is your stumbling block. So here's the, the thing of the scripture. He said, when he said you search the scriptures, that search is intense. It's you, there's this scrutiny going on. You want to know exactly what it means and exactly what it says. You are digging. We're not talking about a casual reading of a scripture at breakfast. We're talking about people who dig and they would spend their lives digging in the word, memorizing it. And then he goes, oh, wait, wait. If, if the word of God, if you're searching the word of God, it does something in your heart. So in, in Hebrews, we're told the word of God is living. How many think, oh, this is boring. It's alive. There are boring sections. Now, I've read it, I've read it a lot. This year, I'm breaking in a brand new Bible, like I've done before, and just, it forces me to pay attention, not just skip around on things I've underlined. And I was in the Old Testament, I was really struggling, just like, man, just, you know, ADD, XYZ, that's me, just floating around. And my wife says, well, why don't you do what I do? I listen to it, on the Bible app at the same time as I read it. And so I started doing that in the Old Testament. And then you can always pause it when you want to underline or make a note. And, and so he's saying, no, no, the, the Word of God, it's alive. It's powerful. Some don't read the Old Testament. It's beautiful. There's so many stories, so rich, so, so encouraging. So it's a two-edged sword. It goes deep. It's going to separate your soul from the spirit. You go, 
I'm not sure how that happens. I'm not sure what he's describing. You know, is the soul like your, your right lung and the spirit's your left lung? I don't know. But he's saying the word of God goes right to the heart. That's the idea here. Goes right to the heart, and it's the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. There's times you come to the word and you have this idea, and you go, Have you heard the three S's? Is this self? Is this me? Is it Satan? Or is it spirit of the living God? The word of God will discern that for you. Is it self, Satan, or spirit of the living God? The word of God is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Paul the apostle said this in Acts chapter 20. The word of God is able to build you up. I don't know a lot of other things that will build you up your spirit, your soul, where you go, I started this day in a bad way. I am built up by the Word of God. That's what he says the Spirit will do. Now, these guys studied the Word of God. They memorized the Word of God, but they missed the whole point. They used the Word to, to um, justify their sin. So as the Word would say, Love your neighbor as yourself. They'd go, well, I don't have any neighbors, so I don't have to love anybody. See, how, that's a twisted thing. Of the, and it's like, how, how do you do that? How do you arrive at that point by studying the Word of God? It's like you're saying, oh, I'm new to Oahu. Can you give me a map from Haleiwa to Sunset Beach? Dude, it's one road, okay? It's nine miles, go that way. But I give you the map, and you're studying it to get from here to there, and instead you end up in Hong Kong. You go, how, how did you do that? That's what he's saying. Guys, you're studying the Word of God, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ, and instead you're in Hong Kong. How did you do that? How did you rationalize so much? So then he goes, when they read the Bible, they didn't see it pointed to Jesus Christ. That was a problem. They wouldn't come to him, said, you won't come to me that you have life. See, a lot of people, I'm not going to go to Jesus because then I'd have to admit I'm a sinner. I would actually have to humble myself. I would actually have to, before other people say, I'm not good enough to get into heaven and to submit to his plan of forgiveness, of restoration, of repentance. And then I go go to see him, but they wouldn't come to him. Now here's the deal. By rejecting Jesus Christ, they're opening the door to the Antichrist. That's why he said, I come in my Father's name, you don't accept me. Someone else will come in his own name and him you will accept. You see, if you go to Israel right now and you talk to the typical Jew and you go, hey, I heard you're looking for the Messiah. What are you looking for? They will say, we're looking for the Messiah who will rebuild our temple and reopen animal sacrifices, just like Moses prescribed. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So they're saying, okay, we're, we're going to spot the, the Messiah by the guy who will have us rebuild our temple. Now, if you go into Revelation 11, you see that's what the Antichrist does. 
If you go into Daniel chapter 9, this is what the Antichrist does. Miraculously, as he appears as a man of peace, and he comes on the scene and says, hey, Arabs and Jews, why can't we just get along? Why can't we love one another? He comes up with a seven-year peace agreement. He said, I know the Dome of the Rock Mosque is there on the Temple Mount. That's like the third holiest place for the Muslims. And then that's over here. Then there's this huge area over here where we believe the ancient temple was built. Solomon's temple, Herod's temple. And he's going to come up with a plan. Okay, we're going to build a wall between the mosque and this area and build, rebuild the Jews a temple. The Jews will be deceived for three and a half years. They will follow the Antichrist. They're not following Jesus Christ. But when someone rejects Jesus Christ, it opens the door to false prophets, to deception. Now, they also had honor issues. We'll get into that in a minute, how they uh, mistook their honor. The, they had the wrong kind of honor. So we end with Moses, the fifth witness. Verse 45, don't think that I shall, that, don't think I'm going to accuse you before the Father. There's one who accuses you, Moses. The guy, the guy that you trust, he's going to point you, he's going to call you out. You're not a true believer. So he said, don't think I'm going to do it. Moses will do it. For if you believed Moses, you, you would have believed me. You would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you don't believe in his writings, how will you believe my words? So this is what he's saying. Moses wrote about me. You going to question Moses' authority? Remember, you got to get a witness. So now he's going to Moses, one of the most revered Old Testament people in the Jews' eyes. He says, you remember when Moses would go into the tabernacle of meeting and God would come down in the cloud and just talk one-on-one -on -one with Moses and it was so intense. Moses left and his whole face was shining. We call it the afterglow because it was glowing after he visited the presence of God and he'd come out in all authority and tell us what God said. That's the Moses who testified of Jesus. That's what he's saying. You're not going to question his authority. No, I wouldn't do that. So here's what Moses, how he wrote about Jesus. In Deuteronomy 18, he said this, the Lord your God will rise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses, from your midst, him you shall hear. He's writing about Jesus Christ. It didn't stop there. All of the animal sacrifices, all of the offerings pointed to Jesus Christ. He's the one that fulfilled the sin offering, the peace offering, stuff like that. All of that. And then the Passover lamb, that was Jesus. That was like a, a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ, our Passover lamb. Then you have this, the bronze serpent, you know, the, when they were bit by the snakes and, okay, this... This bronze serpent's going to be on a, on a stick. You look to him, you'll be healed. There was the uh, water from the rock. All of these things pointed to Jesus. Now, enough. Enough proof. We just went rapid fire kind of through five of them. So what's <laughs> enough witnesses. Now we understand Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus came and died for our sins. But these guys had issues. Okay, the first one said, God's word doesn't abide in you. That blew their mind. They were, what are you talking about? I've memorized 
huge portion. Some would memorize the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And he goes, yeah, you don't have the word of God in it. Wait, what? I can, I can quote it verbatim. Yeah, you don't, it's not in you. And then they thought they had eternal life just because they read the Bible. They thought, oh, I did my devotions this morning, therefore I'm good enough to go to heaven. He said, no, 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 the word's not getting in you. They also had these, these issues because they were not willing to come to Jesus. At this point, with five witnesses instead of just one or two, it's very clear Jesus is the Messiah. They're going, I'm not coming to him. I'm not going to submit to him. I don't want him to tell me what I can or cannot do. We have the same type of spirit, if you will, in the world today, where people say, I'm not going to him. I'm not going to surrender to that guy. And then he said, the love of God isn't in you. I don't know if he's... For Jesus Christ to look at my life and say, you know, Mike, I don't see any love in your heart. That would kind of rock my boat. That's what's going on here. The love of God wasn't in them. And they didn't receive Jesus Christ, so they received the Antichrist. Let me read something to you. Because when you reject Jesus Christ, this is in 2 Thessalonians about the Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one, that's another term for the Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan. Satan is empowering him. With all power and signs and lying wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. You understand that? The love of the truth. I'm created in the image of God. I have fallen into sin. I need help. I can't do it on my own. I need forgiveness. If I don't receive the love of that truth, hear God saying in the end times, he will hand people over to deception. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie and condemn those. Now, enough of that. So, they had issues, the worst issue they had when Jesus said, how could you, how can you believe? You know why it's impossible for them to believe? It was the honor thing. They had this honor issue. They received the wrong kind of honor. They wanted honor from man, not from God. So if they had a social media account back then, this is what it would look like. They valued more of what their friends thought about them than what God thinks about them. It's a common trap to fall into, to where, man, I want to look good. You ever see somebody who you know they're miserable, but they're laughing because they want you to think they're happy? Why don't you just be happy, and everybody's happy. He says, no, I just want you to, I want your opinion of me to be high, rather than, I want God's opinion of me to be high. And then he said, how can you believe when you've got this thing? Okay, now here's, here's where the application begins. What if, no, no, I do search the scriptures. You do search the scriptures. Even though the Bible says in the end times there'll be a famine for the word of God. People just won't want it. They'll be bored with it. They'll find something else. But no, no, I, I do search the scriptures and I search them to, to see Jesus Christ, to find Jesus, to come to Jesus Christ. So what, what do the scriptures have for me? We go back to what Paul said. God's word's able to build you up. 
How, how does it build me up? Because you learn about God's heart for you. How about this one? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, that, did you read that? In, in Romans chapter 8, you go, wait, God's for me? I thought all this time he's against me. He's punishing me. He goes, oh, God's for you. And just to, to not just read it, to digest that as a fact. He's for you. Who's going to be against you? Demons, big deal. Principalities, powers, who cares? God is for you. That's why the word is able to build you up. How about this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 4? This is some of my wife's favorites. As we have received mercy, stop there. Did you this morning? Did you? Did you receive his new mercies every morning? And just, no, I really received it. Mercy is getting uh, or not getting what I do deserve. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. So it's like I'm really in the hole. Mercy brings me up to zero. I don't get what I do deserve. Grace, <laughs> I'm on this side. I don't deserve it, but he's given it to me. Have you received his mercy? Because if you do, look at the rest of this verse. We don't lose heart. Wait a minute, you're saying, I was about to lose heart. I woke up this morning in a funk. I just, I not fun. I got issues. I got this is going on, that's going on. And, and I thought I was perishing. He said, no, no, no. This is what the Word of God does. We don't lose heart. Instead, even though our outward man is perishing, it's falling apart, and the older you get, the more apparent it is, and it's impossible to hide. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man, my life with God is being renewed day by day by receiving his mercy. How about this one? Psalm 119, verse 9. Oh, man, Amy granted a great rendition of Psalm 119. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word. I'm reading in the word. I get the warning. I get the promises. I'm going to live accordingly. That's how I can cleanse my, my way. Then in verse 105 of Psalm 119, your word's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. I understand where I'm supposed to go because I read it in your word. I understand how it is to follow God because I read it in your word. I understand what to avoid because I read it in your word. It's this lamp. It's, this world is so dark. And I didn't know where to, I read the word and psh, there's a spotlight that goes right, in front, right before me. How about this? <laughs> My favorite. Revive me according to your word. What's he saying? Lord, it, it, I need help. I, it's, it's another lousy Monday, just hours away. I, you ever wake up in the morning just, oh, it's, it's ugly already. You didn't even have to look at anybody. You never even got out of bed, didn't sleep well. There's issues going on. I hesitate to share this, um, but my last Monday was, <laughs> could we just X that off? It just, I was in a funk. I told my wife, I'm in a funk. You know, it's kind of a warning. <laughs> See you Tuesday, okay? And then I just started thinking about God's grace. We had just had this discussion on in our Ohana group, and by reading God's word, 
In Hebrews 13, verse 9, it says, it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I thought I was strengthened by doing push-ups or by eating the right things or aerobics or, those are great. But it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So I sent, this, I sent a little thing out to a bunch of people, leaders, missionaries. So the next day, a guy comes in my office and we're talking and I go, hey, how was your Monday? You ever have, and he looks at me like, who told you? And then he had this look like, well, you asked, so I'm going to dump. And he just starts sharing about how rough it was. I said, let's pray. And we prayed for each other. Another guy, one of the missionaries in Africa, writes back and says, hey, thank you for the words of encouragement. I texted him back, hey, what's up, man? You've been on my heart. He texts back. It's going crazy. Hey, let's talk. Within like three seconds, my phone's ringing, and I haven't, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some things that are amazing with this new technology. Just, I'm in my living room, he's in his living room in Africa, and we're talking lifetime. What's up, man? So he goes, I, I know why God put me on your heart, and just started listing a lot of areas it'd be good to have grace in, you know, just good word of encouragement. So we prayed. We prayed because it's good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. I wonder how many hearts, I'm not asking for a show of hands, how many hearts in here are strengthened by condemnation or confusion or just I don't care? May your heart be strengthened by God's grace. There's only one way to find it. It's in Christ. Okay, what about, here, we're back to searching the scriptures. By the way, I prayed with Jason. Went very well. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord in Africa. But I, what, what if I search the scriptures and I do see Jesus, I do find him. Well, in Ephesians 6, you'll be able to read about this. You'll be able to read and to understand you're at war. And if you don't declare war, it's really silly. Because your enemy's attacking and you're pretending everything's fine. So we, we understand, oh, that's why I've been defeated lately. I'm in this war. I'm under attack. I don't even know what weapons I have. So in Ephesians 6, oh, you start with the belt of truth. This you can read about as you search the scriptures. The belt of truth. If God says it's true, I agree with him that it's true. My deceptions, I need to park them out, throw them out. And my misconceptions, toss them out. I want to feast on God's word of truth. And that's connected to this breastplate of righteousness. I have a new way of living because I'm following the Messiah. And then I have the sword, which is the word of God. And, and this is so important because that's what Jesus used when he was tempted. Satan said, didn't God say, it is written. There's authority. Get behind me, Satan, it is written. So, and then, you know, the feet are shod with the gospel, the preparation of peace, meaning I'm ready to share my testament. I'm ready to share with people about Jesus Christ. I'm ready to pass it on. It's not, don't keep the faith, pass it on. Share the faith. 
You have this helmet of salvation. Protects your thought life. That only these things that are pure and lovely and good repute can come into your mind. You have the shield of faith, which is able to put out the fiery darts of the enemy. You better believe, don't put that thing down. It will put out the fiery darts. How do I know these things? By searching the scriptures to see that they are true. Let the word of God, this is so good. Colossians, I love Colossians. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. How many people barely dwell within them? I mean, if, if it's richly, they got pennies worth. When you still have billions of dollars worth, let it richly dwell. Let it rule your life. Let it be the umpire of your heart that says, that stays, that's safe, that goes. Let the word of God richly dwell within you. And then you learn of the hundreds, hundreds of promises. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it's that simple. I also have a plan for your life. What? Yeah, I've got, I made you on purpose and for purpose, and you'll be happiest when you're fulfilling that purpose. Mike, not only are you forgiven, you're heaven bound. You're going to get an inheritance. You go, wait, let's back up. To be forgiven and spared of hellfire, I'm good. I'm good for all of eternity. I'm not going to hell. I'm forgiven in God's sight. He goes, that's it's not good enough. You're going to be rewarded. You have this inheritance for the rest of eternity. You're going, what does that even mean? We'll find out when we get there. But as you read the word of God, you read of his promises, you read of his plans for you, you go, this is incredible. Who would ever sacrifice? Who would ever do anything else? This is for God. This is for all of eternity. Peter says, you do these things, You'll grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, you'll be looking to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, what if I don't? What if I don't search the scriptures? What if I'm a believer and I just think that's optional? Well, who would, who, who would do that? Why would you do that? Knowing Jesus, the lover of your soul, he's got so much for you. It's revealed in his word as you search the scriptures. You see, it's all, it's all about Jesus. It's about these promises. And you know, why would someone not do that? We get distracted. We find a boring portion and we close the book. We forget we're at war. We're at war. I need, you see, such a person won't be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. We're in 1 John, as in our Ohana groups. In chapter 2, John says, you know, I write to you young men because you're strong. The word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. Do you see the sequence? You want to be strong? Let the word of God abide in you richly. And that's how you overcome the evil one. That's how Jesus did it. It is written. But what if I'm not in the word? You, you're just severely limiting your growth. It's that simple. I mean, come on, even listen to it on a tape or something. Just, okay, I want the word of God in me. Now, here's God's heart. 
We're going to land the plane here. God's heart says this. The Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody in heaven. It's not going to happen, but that's his heart. We can prove it with scriptures. That's his heart. He wants you there. He sent his only son as the Messiah. He gave us all these witnesses to prove that. And our last one. Jesus said, I say these things that you may be saved. I suspect most everybody in this room has an up-to-date relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe you're one that doesn't. And maybe you're one that when <laughs> I keep looking at the map from Haleiwa to Sunset and I end up in Hong Kong. And this morning, God's calling you out. He said, I have hope, I have plans for you. And they start with forgiveness of sins. There's only one place to find this, it's at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. We're born, we're created in God's image. We have all sinned. He sent his son to make a payment that we could not. That whosoever believes in him would not perish, would not go to hell, but have everlasting life with him. If you had died last night, if you were the Ann Hesh, where'd you be right now? I don't know where she is. I know she's in eternity. Wouldn't you like to settle that issue right now? You know what you do is confess. Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I simply ask Christ into my heart. I wanted that born again, you know, the conversion, trust in him. What I wanted it all. He came into my heart many years ago and he's never left.